interesting now. It's written in your books that you've got out there, which no doubt you'll promote in a minute. But let's give Terry a warm hand as we welcome him here. It's great to be here. I love just driving around the corner and seeing this beautiful field and the sun shining on you. I hope it continues to do so. Uh, it's great being back in tents. It is, is visiting. I don't know if it's like it, sleeping in them. But uh, uh, well done for being here and giving this kind of time. It's a joy. It really is a joy to be here. And uh, I thank God for the worship. Let me just... It's on. Oh, sorry. My, my ear's still on. <laughs> sorry about that. It's okay. We've got people who can pray for healing if it's... Uh, yeah, good. <laughs> Um, a, B, C, D, E, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's great to be here. And uh, I love the worship. I love how Jesus-centered it was. I, um, I just want to commend that. I, I go to lots of churches on different Sundays. And to be honest, I'm a bit disappointed sometimes. Uh, but this was wonderful. It was so full of the gospel. And I so appreciated that. Yeah, there are some books on the table out there. I'll just mention those. Uh, my wife's not with me, but a book she wrote called His Strong Hand is out there. Uh, you may think, well, I'm not really a reader. Uh, this is ideal for non-readers in that every chapter is only like two pages, maybe three. And it's a kind of coffee table or bedside thing. And I think you meet with Jesus very quickly in each of these chapters. So I just commend it to you, all sorts of unusual things like uh, a daughter's decision in praise of older women. Covered bridge through the curtain, wedding anniversaries, notes on worship, daffodils and other smells, rugby for grandmas. It's, a, it's a, I think it's a terrific book. It's out there, and uh, there are others like the God's lavish grace, which I do thank God that people said, "Hey, it changed my life." Uh, this is the most recent thing I've done, and uh, it's actually a kind of gospel book that really settles what the gospel is in our hearts and can be used uh, to pass on to people. Uh, Wendy and I were recently uh, just having a pub lunch on a, our Monday, our day off, and a lady started talking to us, and we got quite a bit of the gospel to her and said, please go and read that. And she said, oh, thank you very much. She took it. And I heard recently of someone who'd come right through uh, reading it. So uh, it's very recent, and uh, it just sets out the gospel in very clear terms. And it's only 150, so it's less than a birthday card. So uh, they're out there as well, just a few of them. Okay, so there's several books there, but just mention those. I want to just read to you a verse from 2 Timothy and chapter uh, 1 and uh, verse 6. I'm just going to read one verse. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Okay, I'll say it again. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Father, thank you so much for the joy of singing your praise, Lord, that you're so stunning and wonderful. We thank you've transformed our lives, our expectation. We thank you the fear of death is trodden underfoot. We thank you, Lord, you welcome us into your everlasting family uh, to be our Father. Lord, thank you for the intimacy of it the sense of your loving care. And Father, thank you. You want to feed us. You want to bless us. So we pray, Father, right now for the help of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and lead us. Please lead us. Help us to hear your voice in our hearts so that the word really does us good 
Lord, that we may hear preaching with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. Let that be our experience, please, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you're celebrating what used to be called uh, Sunday weekend, and now it's spring back holiday, but we're around that kind of season where we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Simon said it might be good to be in that theme, but not necessarily to preach on receiving the Spirit, but rather to keep walking in the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to do that uh, this morning, as it were, for us as individuals, and maybe we'll open that up a little differently uh, tomorrow. But, you know, people have said that Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is the key to understanding uh, the book of Acts. Because the guys in the Gospels who follow Jesus, to be honest, they're not desperately impressive. Uh, they keep on making mistakes. They hardly seem to know what Jesus is up to. And at the end, they all run away. I mean, they're just hopeless guys, it seems. But they're handpicked by God, who knew their frailty, like he does ours. Uh, he knew them all together. He knew them. Simon, you're son of Jonah. I know you. I know your background. I also know what you're going to become. You're going to become a rock. I, I, I know you. I know you through and through. And when God begins with us, he knows us through and through better than we are now ourselves. But certainly these guys, these, uh, these men who seemed hopeless, within a few uh, years have got this testimony, they're turning the world upside down. You know, how on earth could that happen? How could these people transform uh, uh, city after city? Extraordinary things happened uh, to these ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, just ordinary guys, and the Spirit of God came upon them and absolutely transformed them. Now, of course, when Jesus said to them, wait until you receive power, that wasn't a kind of unknown concept. You know, what do I mean, receive power? What's that all about? They're Jewish guys. They know their Bibles. And so they'd know about people like Gideon, who was a scared guy hiding in a cave. And God came and called him. He said, not me, not me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the least in my father's house. My father's house is nothing. You know, you must have got the wrong guy. And God said, no, no, you are the one. You're going to be a mighty warrior. And actually, he became that. And it says this, the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. The Spirit of God came upon Elisha. The Spirit of God came on Joshua when Moses laid hands on him. And, and in the Old Testament, there are these people who are transformed by the Spirit of God coming on them. So these people, when Jesus said, you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, they, well, we understand that kind of thing. Because it happened to the kings in the Old Testament happened to the judges, that's what marked out the judges, the Spirit of God came on them and made them different, transformed them. David, the Spirit of God came on David, he became a tremendous warrior. So they knew their background, they knew about that. The Spirit of God comes upon us. And so there were also these wonderful promises that in the last days, my Spirit will come on all flesh. In the Old Testament, it was just isolated, special people. Might be like one prophet in a generation. Samuel the prophet, Elijah the prophet, just like, wow, there's one. And then there comes this promise from Joel, in the last days, I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. There's going to come a phenomenal time where the spirit is poured out widely. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Sons and daughters. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And that's what happened to that early church. The Spirit came upon them, and Paul says we are in what he calls the dispensation of the Spirit. We're in that age. We're in that season when the Spirit is poured out. 
And so these guys were part of that. They, people thought, you are drunk. I mean, the, the Bible's not embarrassed. It doesn't, it's not an enemy of Christianity that wrote that. At the beginning, these people were regarded as drunks. You don't want to put your trust there. No, no, they wrote it up. Luke wrote it up, put it in the Bible. They thought we were drunk. You know, this great first presentation of the church, they thought they were drunk. What, what, what do we associate with drunkenness? You know, if I was down in Brighton, where I've spent most of my life on a Saturday night, why would I think a group were drunk? Well, they're kind of happy. The church hasn't always been associated with happiness. They were happy. They're noisy. I mean, they don't only really sing, they sing loudly. They don't care what you think of them. They're completely free from what you think of them. You think, oh boy, these are drunk. They're drunk. I used to work in an office in London and we would have a Christmas party. Wow, a Christmas party. You know, the day after, you say, and, and people say, I didn't, did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> well, on the desk, yeah, on the desk. You think, what did I? What did I do? You know, kind of crazy. What that? And see, what, why do we mean? What do we? Why do they say they're drunk? Which is they were bold. You see, people sometimes are very timid and scared. And I know when I when I was uh, maybe a bit like Simon, I in my late teens, I was way, way, way far, far away. And uh, I used to go out to dances in the Brighton, Brighton. And, you know, a gang of boys would go, we'd go straight into the bar, drink up a bit before you can start talking to the girls. Because I was all a bit teenage shy. So you'd go and get a drink first, you know, or two. And uh, now I can talk to anybody I like. Because it just freed me up. Now, these guys are drunk. They, were, they didn't care what anybody thought. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. It kind of sets you free. And it sounds so irreligious to say, well, they're drunks. They're drunks. Look at them, they're all drunk. And not only does it say it there, but it says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. So there's that comparison again. A strange comparison that being filled with the Spirit is kind of, wow. It's like getting drunk. See, a lot of people out there think that Christianity is about rules, regulations, being at meetings. You know, it's just things you believe. They've never heard, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. They don't know that. We know it. That you can experience God. You know, if you drink a lot, it affects you. And Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing, making melody with all your heart. And these guys were transformed. Crowds gathered. What is going on here? 120 people gathered, 3,000. 3,000 got saved. There's such an outpouring of power. What we can find, though, is what Paul had to write to Timothy. A strange letter, really. Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Fan it into flame. Why, why does he say that? Because it's, it's an amazing thing that we can have moments of such excitement when the Spirit first comes. Such absolute kind of, wow, I've never known anything like this. It's so amazing. I'm speaking in tongues. Whoa, this is extraordinary. This is stunning. It's amazing. This is amazing. And time can go by and go by. And Paul, hey, Paul laid hands on Timothy. You think, man, alive, he's, he's, he'll be right for life. 
I was, I was a friend of mine. Whatever you think of Benny Hinn, a friend of mine was in a meeting in America where, by mistake, he got called up onto the platform. I, and it, it, I won't bother you with the detail, but by mistake, he got called up onto the platform. And Benny Hinn's on the platform. And he said, Benny Hinn greeted him and said, God bless you, brother. He said, he waved his arm. And he said, it's like a truck hit me. He said, I said, he said what was that? And then he said, then I, then, I, then I got up again. They said, oh, bring him to me, bring him to me. So, so they brought, they brought him up to him, and he, and he just did it again. He said, I'm completely blown away. Well, you know, Benny, him, whatever. You think, wow, he laid hands on me. Well, Paul laid hands on Timothy. Paul, I mean, that's going to last forever, isn't it? I mean, oh, you're going to glide to glory. The Apostle Paul, no, no, Paul has to write to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. What's that mean? What's that mean? It means somehow, he says in another place, don't forsake or don't despise, don't ignore the gift of God that's in you. It's possible as time goes by to somehow miss the point or drift away from your experience. So let's just think about Timothy for a minute. Why, why did Paul say this? Well, Timothy was Paul's representative. And we've all got circumstances, reasons why some of us feel, well, yeah, I know, I, I know that happened to me. I could put a date on it. Or, you know, I know when. I remember the guy laying hands on me. I remember. But it's kind of back there somewhere. And that's how it was for Timothy. And Timothy's got a, a hard task. He's supposed to represent Paul. Well, it's pretty challenging. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here. Paul's not coming. I'm here. And that's pretty scary. And so he's got a real challenge to face. He's got to represent the Apostle Paul. Now, that can shrink you quite a bit. You think, boy, this is a scary thing to do. And uh, he had to do some tough things. He's told, if you read through Timothy, it's interesting what he was told to do. He was told to confront error. He's told to say to people, look, you're not under law, you're under grace. That can lead to a lot of uh, challenges. He's to tell the rich not to be, uh, to be arrogant. It's, you know, rich people don't like being told, don't be arrogant. There's all kinds of challenging things. It says, uh, honor those who are widows, who are true widows. I mean, what's a true widow? You know, go down the line, God bless you, God bless you. God, hmm, don't think, no, go on. I say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm not sure you're true. You know, it's like, wow, the challenges were huge. So that can make you go into yourself and feel, well, the challenge is so great. What he's asking me to do is so demanding. He was also young. Remember, it says, let no man despise your youth, it says in one of the passages. Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you're so young. Maybe I could bless some of the guys here because actually uh, Paul's, this is Paul's last letter and Timothy's been with him for a while and, and the commentators, the theologians say this, Timothy was probably about 40 years of age at this time. So, all you 40 years of age, don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. It's encouraging, isn't it? That's what he's saying. And I guess in that culture, yeah, white hair helps, okay? So, uh, yeah, don't let, anyone, don't let anybody just uh, pass you by. And sometimes we can feel it's not just our youth. We just don't feel we've always got it. We feel I haven't got all the answers. Maybe we'd like to witness more in the workplace or at the school gate or the places where we meet people, but we often feel, I haven't, I haven't got enough. I don't feel I've got enough to say. 
I wish I had more to say. Uh, and Paul said to Timothy, don't let anybody take away your sense of calling and commissioning. Don't let vulnerability take you over. That can happen to us. So I'd love to witness. I don't know if, I'd, if she asked me questions or if he said more. And so we kind of hold back. And Paul is saying, listen, listen. God came upon weak people. He came upon Gideon. He came upon Simon Peter, who said, I'm not with him. No, little girl said to him, aren't you with Christ? No, I'm not with him at all. I don't know him at all. He was transformed. He was empowered. That's the whole point. God comes upon weak people. Timothy, don't forget that. He didn't choose you because you're so impressive. He chose you out of his love. He's committed to you. It's like Gideon. I, he was not impressive. No, but I've called you. I've committed myself to you. He clothed him with the Holy Spirit. And he's done that to Timothy. But Timothy's in danger of forgetting that. And being more impressed with the things that limited him, like I'm too young, than he was by the empowering of God. We've been seeing such great things here this morning about his power. It's in us, we sang. His power to break through death. His power over death. It's in us. It's in us. No wonder kept, Paul kept praying those prayers. I'm praying for you that you might understand that same power which raised Jesus from the dead is in you. I'm praying that for you. Because, dear friends, we can know these things are true, but we can be more impressed by, I'm feeling limited. I'm not sure I can do it. And Timothy was in that real danger. He was too young, arguably. He was also timid. It says in the scripture here, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Well, he said that to Timothy, obviously, because Timothy was inclined to be timid. That's why he said it. Don't be uh, aware of that timidity. If it says in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul sends Timothy. He's kind of his representative or his delegate. He says, I cannot come. I'm sending Timothy. And then he says this in 1 Corinthians 16.10. When Timothy comes, don't frighten him. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's like, it's like me saying, I'm sending Dave Devonish. Don't scare him. <laughs> Paul says, I'm sending Timothy. Don't frighten him. Why does he say that? Well, he's a bit like that. But he's Paul's representative. He's Paul's chosen man. That's so often the case with these people that they feel that. And then also, one more thing about him, he was often sick. Paul says this. 1 Timothy 5.23, take a little wine for your frequent ailments. Take a little wine. For what? You mean he's too young? You mean he's scared? And he's often sick? You sure you've got the right guy? Yeah, Paul says elsewhere, I've got no one like him. He knows my ways in Christ. He served faithfully like a son with the Father. He's got terrific confidence in him, but he's got this problem that... You know, he, he could hold back. He could fail to do it. He, he could be scared. He could get sick. And sometimes if we, you know, some of us, we, we may be a bit more prone. And whenever that comes through, oh, I get it every time. Some people seem robust. I feel frail. And these things can undermine us. Sickness can undermine us. We can feel, I don't know, I've got much to give because I'm prone to sickness. Well, Timothy was like that. That's the guy we're talking about. So Paul answers it with this, fan into flame, all right? So the power of God coming upon Simon Peter, we know about the early days, we know about the day of Pentecost. Suddenly, these guys are in an upper room, doors closed, scared of the Jews, 
suddenly power fell upon them. Power. They're just suddenly speaking in tongues. There's fire on them. Wow, we don't know how they got from the upper room to the street. It doesn't say. But now they're in the street. Now they're out there. They don't care. This Jesus whom you crucified, Peter says, God has raised up, of which we're witnesses. Wow. So seeing their boldness, they took note. They'd been with Jesus. Why? These guys, they're bold. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It transforms. It changes. So Paul said to Timothy, no, Timothy, you've received that gift. You need to fan it into flame. Many of us here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we, that's how I built up to that day. And I, for myself, I, I fasted the day before. I went to London for someone to lay hands on me. The build-up was terrific. I want this, I want this, I want this. Sometimes you can say, I want it, I want it, I want it. Then get it. Oh, thank God I got it. But hey, how are we, are we proceeding in that? Are we enjoying the good of that? Do we still look drunk? Are we still finding what we need? And Timothy was in danger of other things undermining who he was. So let's just look at what he says. He says, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. I'd like to look at this kind of phrase by phrase. The gift. I think we sometimes forget this is a gift. We can be rather like Simon said, thinking you have to earn things. That like the Holy Spirit is a reward for good people. I pray for many people over the years, like it must be hundreds and hundreds, to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you go down a line and you come to someone and think, oh, I don't think I'm worthy. And I, you know, I, I used to try and argue, and I, I don't say it anymore. I used to say, no, you're not. You say, but I'm not worthy. I say, no, that's right, of course you're not. They look kind of shocked. I'm trying to help them. I'm not just being careless. I'm trying to help them because they're thinking wrong. And I'll say to people, was Simon Peter worthy? Oh, Simon Peter, who a few weeks earlier was saying, like 40 days earlier, he's saying, I'm not with him. I don't know him. And it says he cursed and swore and said, I don't know Jesus. That makes him really worthy, doesn't it? That's really terrific. What a guy. Well done. No, he's a useless guy. He's useless. It's not to do with, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. Of course you're not good enough. It's a gift. It's not a reward. Well done. Well done. Have a, have a, have a gift. I'm very impressed with you. No, no, no. It's, you are very unimpressive. You need something. And that's the, that reminds us, no, it's a gift of God. It's a gift. And we need to underline that. And we need to, because what can happen, dear friends, is not only we get that challenge on the way to our first experience of the Spirit, it can kind of stay with us. That we feel, oh, well, I just don't feel I have the Lord's presence with me lately. And I don't know that I'm worthy of it. And we drift back to that kind of, it's a reward for good people. It's not, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a phenomenal, extraordinary, wonderful gift. And it will always be. We didn't receive the gift at the beginning freely, and then later you have to earn it every day. We have to stay in this combination that Simon brought together just now of grace and the Holy Spirit. These things go together ever so much. It's free. It's free, and it always will be free. It's a gift. It's a gift of God. And, and I know what we're like. We, we just need to be absolutely torn out of that sense of am I worthy or not. 
It's an ongoing gift. It's a gift of God. I always think it's funny that when uh, artists do paintings of um, Samson, have you noticed how they paint him? I, I was once at the National Gallery, and there were two paintings of Samson by two different artists, and it was the painting of, of uh, Samson and Delilah's cutting his hair, both, both paintings. And uh, she's got his head on her lap, and, and, and she's cutting his hair off. I mean, they're two different, completely different artists, but they brought them together. And you know how it is at the National Gallery and such places, they'll bring notes around, things to observe and so on, of these two famous artists. What was common to both? Goliath was massive. Goliath was full of muscles. And if Hollywood ever tries to paint, uh, get someone to play, Goli uh, play uh, Samson, big on Samson, Samson always looks huge. Samson looks like he's got muscles on his muscles. That's how they, that, well, I remember years ago when I was very young, a guy called Victor Mature played Samson because he's kind of the biggest actor around at the moment. And so, you know, kind of find this guy who can hardly walk for muscles. Uh, I think, you know, that's the one, because it's, it's Samson. He needs some, no, 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 that, it's missing the whole point of the story. The point of the story is this. Where do you get this power from? Isn't that what it's all about? Where do you get the power? So he said, well, it's this and this. And oh, it's this, do this, he won't have the power. And they try it, and he's still got the power. So what is about where it's a mystery? Where'd you get the power? You don't ask Arnold Schwarzenegger, where'd you get the power? He'll say, Oh, press those irons, press those irons, you know. You just get muscle. You get muscle. He he plainly was an ordinary looking guy. That's the whole point. It's a mystery. Where'd you get this power from? Well, it came from God. It came from God. He had this relationship with God, the hair deal. But, you know, was he worthy? He looks like a mess to me. The story of Samson is quite strange. And it nowhere says, from this time on, the power came from Satan. It doesn't say that. In the end, God said enough. But the power was a gift. And it was other than him. It was other than him. Beloved, let's understand this. It's other than us. It's other than us. It's something from outside that comes to us. And we need to learn to engage with the Holy Spirit, which I'll come to later, so that we enjoy this other-than-us thing happening. Because otherwise, we tend to think, oh, it's just people with extrovert personalities. And people use the word charismatic very uh, freely these days. Thanks to, you know, Boris Johnson, very charismatic politician. What do we mean? What do we mean? Well, he's lively, bright. We won't say anything else. Lively, bright. Okay. <laughs> But that, that, the word charismatic gets used that way, doesn't it? So we think, oh, charismatic. No, he looked ordinary. That's the whole point. How do you do this? It's incredible. How do you do it? Oh, it's, it's other than him. Other than him. The gifts of the Spirit and life in the Spirit is other than us. It's not the projection of my personality. It's not the projection of my education and background, my upbringing. It's other than that. That's important for us to know that we are engaging with a power other than ourselves, but comes to us. Wow, how did they, how did these guys, the unlearned fishermen, where did they get this power? 
And dear friends, we need to say, well, I came to it, I got filled with the Spirit, I spoke in tongues that day, but another power came to us. Now Paul is saying to Timothy, now come on, Tim, fan into flame that gift. Fan into flame, it's a gift. And it's undeserved. I remember once I was, I was living in America for two years, and my teenage son, my son called Simon, he was 14. I've since read, I don't know how they don't know this, but I've since read that the age of 14 is the most difficult age. When missionaries go overseas, 14-year-olds are the ones who find it the most difficult. I'd never read that before. I don't know how they arrive at it. But my son was 14. He was ripe, according to them. And before he went, he was a bright young Christian. He led guys to the Lord at school. He's terrific, super. We went to a church that had its own school, one of the problems of, the Amer- of American Christianity. They, and if you get to any size, you have your own school. And that, that's really dodgy because it becomes like a rule book religion, like school has to be. And they get confused. What is, what is Sunday? He went to the same building seven days a week. Monday to Friday, Saturday for sport, Sunday for church. It's all the same. It's all rules and religion. And it just messed him up, terribly messed him up. He really lost his way badly, got in with the wrong kind of guys. There were no teenagers in that church of a thousand people. There were no teenagers who loved Jesus, not one. Quite a big youth group. None of them loved Jesus. They're in this professional Christianity business. We're all in it together. Horrific. One of the problems of the American church at the moment. Kids being raised with religion. They're not radically meeting Jesus. And Sire, who had radically met Jesus, and knew when he went to school, he'd be mocked like all our teenage kids are, they knew the difference. Anyway, he lost the way. He really lost the way. He got into dreadful music. I mean, not just rock and roll, but real, the grunge stuff. So he got pictures all around his bedroom. You had to commit suicide to be on his wall, you know, the really big ones. It's like, and it's like, oh boy, this boy and I can't get anywhere near him I'm trying to help him and I just it's just I can't this boy who used to be so close to me it was agony he got further and further away and it was a very painful season and uh, you know we hated what was happening to him we tried what we could we, you couldn't you couldn't sort of make it and he used to play this music and it made the whole house shake. And I got up to his room and said, Simon, please just turn it down a bit. You know, you turn it down a bit and you go downstairs. And, and, and one day, it broke. <laughs> it broke. <laughs> I remember, it broke, it broke. The CD player broke. And he hasn't got two pennies to rub together. Hallelujah. So it's all over, it's over. And I'm in a prayer meeting. I can remember it vividly. I was in Kansas City at a Thursday morning prayer meeting. And we're worshipping, there's about 20 pastors there, and I felt God said to me, get Simon another CD player. I said, no, 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 I, I resist that, I'm buying that, I'm buying that. <laughs> and, and it just came more and more insistent, get him another CD player, get him another CD player. It was so strong, I just knew I'm resisting God. So on the way home, I went to the store and bought it, and went into the house, I said, Simon, this is for you. Oh, thanks, Dad. What is it? Opened it. Wow! CD player. Oh, thanks. Mine's broken, so I hadn't noticed. That... <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so what happens? He puts it in. He puts on his CD. He puts the volume up. And I say, I knew that would happen. <laughs> he doesn't come back to God. He's not worthy of it. He doesn't know what to do with it. 
It's a gift. It's a gift. He's not worthy of it. He doesn't know how to handle it. He could play something more beautiful on it. He doesn't. It's a gift. I just want to underline, dear friends, the gift nature of this. Because we so easily kind of think, am I worthy? Is this me? Am I? No, no, it's completely foreign to him. Praise God. Oh, it's like four years later he came back to God. It wasn't like, oh, this is wonderful. I come back to Jesus. No, he didn't. He didn't. But he did later, thank God. But it, a, a gift is not a reward. So our attitude to the Holy Spirit, we mustn't, as we go on, think, well, you know, I'm used to it, or, but I don't think I'm worthy. And No, it's a gift, beloved. It's a gift. And we can expect the Holy Spirit to be there for us because he has it. Simon Peter, at the gate of the temple, I love what he says. There's the guy who's been a cripple for 40 years. He's 40 years of age. And, and, and Peter says to him this, what do you think? have you got silver, gold? No, I haven't got it. What, I've, what I have, I give you. Get up and walk. You think, what? You have? Yeah, what I have, I give it to you. Get up. The guy gets up. It's a gift. He knows he's got it. What I have, I give you. It's a gift it's a gift of God, all right? Just to take it further, it's a gift of God. It's, 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 it's not just a skill. It's not just a developed ability. It's from God. It's God coming into his church. It's God empowering ordinary people. It's God giving us things. Now, sometimes our non-charismatic evangelical brothers and sisters, they can kind of belittle tongues. They say, you know, a soul of gift of tongues, silly gift. And uh, I, I remember when I was at Bible college, I mean, they, they, the Bible college lecturers actually said, these charismatics, he said, they're like little children who've got a Christmas present and they're more fascinated with the wrapping than they are with the gift inside. Taken up with little things. That was how they tried to ridicule us out of our experience. It's nothing, it's nothing. It's the least of the gifts. The least of the gifts. It's like God was giving away faith and love and power, and He dropped tongues by mistake. And we, oh, look, lovely tongues. No, no, it's the least of the gifts. Put it down. No, no, praise God. It's from God. It's from God. Sometimes we can be in a room and people are discussing things, and I know this has happened to me before. I thought, well, everybody knows this, so I won't bother to mention it. You know, we're all realizing this factor. And, but it hasn't been mentioned. I think, well, I'll, I'll mention it. And people say, that's it. That's, that's the answer. You think, well, I thought we all understood that. Now, God just gave you a, wisdom, a, a moment of wisdom. Sometimes, in a, you know, even in meetings, we, 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 we're seeing something. And we use language like, I've got a picture. I think we kind of play down things. You're seeing a vision. God's showing you something. And I think we tend to play it down. We tend to, no, it's from God. Fanning to flame the gift of God. And the last thing is this. Where is it? The gift of God that is in you. Now that's an important phrase to pick up. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Well, the weekend I was filled with the Spirit, I went to a Pentecostal church in London back in 62. And uh, they sang a song I'd never heard before. 
He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. The comforter abides with me. He's come to stay. He's come to stay. It's important we know that he's come to stay. And I think we often use words wrongly. We don't take on board what it actually says. When John wrote uh, John chapter 4, it talks about the woman at the well. And Jesus had this conversation with a woman. And you remember, it's a strange conversation. He asks her if you can have something to drink. And she says, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. Then he says this, if you knew who was speaking to you, you would ask him, he'd give you living water. You would have in you a well of water spreading up to eternal life. And she said, give me this. Then I wouldn't have to keep coming to this well. Now, you need to think about that a bit. He didn't, he didn't say, I'll give you a drink. He said, I'll give you a well. The well is in you. You can have in you a well. If you ask, I'll give you, and you have in you a well, springing up, a well in you. And she said, great, I wouldn't have to keep coming. She understood somehow he's offering me a well on the inside. I wonder if you thought of the Holy Spirit coming on you like that. It's a well on the inside. And, and you, know, you walk away, I've got the well. I'm not, I didn't just touch me. I've got the well. I won't have to keep coming here. I guess she was embarrassed coming there. She's had five husbands, one she's with, not a husband. I guess there's all kinds of tensions about, I have to come to this well. You give me this, I wouldn't have to keep coming to this well. And, that, and she got it. She understood. Although there was a confusion of water and water and Holy Spirit. But he said, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when we received the Spirit, we received the well. Span into flame, the gift of God, which is where? In you. It's in you, Timothy. You've got it now. You've got it now. It's in you. Fan it into flame. It's in you. It's come to stay. It wasn't a fleeting thing. We tend to think, well, I, I need to go to the meeting. I hope I'll, and please don't stop going to meetings. But we, we often think, well, the well is over there. I've got to get to the well. No, the well's in you. The well is in you. Fan it into flame, the gift of God that is in you. It's in you. I laid hands on you, now it's in you. But you'll have a responsibility. What's that? Fan it into flame. Why? Well, because it can, you can have a lot of cold water thrown at you. You can, you know, another word is anointing. We use the word anointing wrongly. We use it so free. It's an anointed song, anointed this, anointed that. In the Bible, Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me. It's not, I felt anointed today. It doesn't say that. I feel anointed this morning. It doesn't say that. It said, he anointed me. It's a historic fact. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me. It happened when I was baptized in the River Jordan. He anointed me. See, the Spirit of gift, the gift is in you. You can have in you the well. He anointed me. It's a done thing. And what we need to do is to see our responsibility to fan the flame. You see, it's not a state I'm in. It's an event that took place. I feel anointed. No, no, it's an event. That you and I, he anointed me. It's not a subjective feeling. It's a historic fact. He anointed me. He gave me the Holy Spirit. So, Timothy, what's his responsibility? It is to fan into flame. 
fan into flame. Stir it up. I know when I was a young child, uh, we had an open fire in our home. Uh, it was before central heating was invented. And uh, at least we didn't know it. <laughs> and uh, I remember my first waking moments were hearing my father with a metal poker digging out the ashes from yesterday and lighting the fire. One of my childhood ambitions was, can I light the fire? But I heard that. Well, what is ash? Well, ash is what was burning yesterday. And we can get clogged up in things that happened yesterday, even good things. Even good things. Do you remember when? And fanning into flame has to do with being fresh, being awake to God. It means also overcoming when people do throw buckets of cold water over you. We have plenty of that, more probably at the beginning than we have now. Who do you think you are? Well, we're just sharing something we found. No, who do you think you're? No, I don't think I'm anything. But we've, hey, can we share this? No, you can't. That's the sort of thing we encountered at the beginning. And it's, oh, dear. No, no. Come on, let's get the fire going again. Fan into flame. Fan into flame. So let me just take the other line. Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine. Be being filled. That's what it literally is. It's... It's a, if I can put it, it's a passive imperative. In other words, an imperative is a command. But it's passive. It doesn't say fill yourself, it says be filled. It's something you have to engage. It's something, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. And then what does it say? Singing, making melody with all your heart to the Lord. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody with all your heart to the Lord. Why? Well, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have, a, we have an identity. I'm a temple. You're a temple. We're corporately a temple. How, how do we keep on living in this ongoing fullness of the Spirit? Well, be filled with the Spirit is a present continuous. It's like carry on being filled. That's what that means in Ephesians 5. And the contrast is don't be drunk with wine. How do you get drunk? You just keep on being filled. I mean, I was carried home at parties when I was a teenager. I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't walk. You know, we'd had a fun time, but I couldn't walk anymore. I just kept on drinking. But while, before I fell over, I was enjoying it. But you just keep on drinking. Be filled with, not with wine, be filled with the Spirit. How? Singing, making melody with all your heart to the Lord, with psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs. How do we fan into flame the gift of God? We take that seriously. See, some people say, I say, do you speak in tongues? Oh, I did, but I did. I mean, do you regularly? Oh, not really. Well, well, I, well I do. <laughs> I, for me, if I may be personal, every morning for me, I do my Bible reading first, have some breakfast, then I have my worship time. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. So every morning I will sing psalms. I have a hymn book. I love some of the old hymns. I've got a chorus book. I've got loads of choruses in here. I sing. I make melody. I spiritual song. I sing in tongues. Every morning. Every morning. I sing in tongues. I sing in tongues. I sing in tongues. I get spiritual songs. I psalms, hymns, you know, Bible-based truth. I find myself saying, thank you, Jesus. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
So I thank God, I thank God. I did this this morning, like any morning. Thank you for yesterday. I thank you for trivial things. I often say, thank you, Lord, I didn't hit anything in the car. I drive around a bit. Thank you, Lord. You saved me from stuff I didn't even notice. Thank you, thank you, I'm in good health. Thank you, nothing hurts at the moment. Thank you so much for my family. Thank, I, thank, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my... I thank, I thank God. I thank God. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I do it every day. Enter his courts with praise. Lord, you're the one behind this. You make all this happen. You're the one who cares for me. You took me when I was so disgusting. You had such mercy on me. I love that song, Wonderful Grace, that gives me the time to change, washes away the stains that once covered me. I was singing that again this morning. Oh, God, you were so patient with me as a backslidden Christian. You didn't throw me out. So I'm thanking and thanking. In the end, I'm just, whoops, I'm away. I'm, I'm singing. I'm making melody. I'm stirring up the gift of God. Do you do it, beloved? I want to encourage you. Jesus said, when you pray, you know, shut the door and get with your father. Enjoy him. Celebrate him. See, drunkenness is escapism. People get drunk because they're bored, or they're scared, they're anxious, or they're bored out of their minds. It's escape. It's get out of this terrible reality. I hate it. Let's get drunk. Let's get into a... No, being filled with the Spirit isn't like that. Being filled with the Spirit, it's like, I know I'm a child of God. The Bible tells me so. But when we come to what it says about the Holy Spirit, it says... Because we are sons, we have the spirit of sonship in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So this is not escapism. It's what I know. To as many as received him, gave him the power to become children of God. You can say, I'm a child of God. It says so in John 1.12. But it's another thing to say, Abba, Father. Or it says, God so loved the world. I know God loves me. But it says, plenty of Bible verses, God loves me. But it says in Romans 5, he's poured out. His love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Poured it out. Douglas Moo commentary says, an abundant outpouring. He's poured it out. As we begin to sing to him and thank him and worship him, take some of these great songs we've been singing, you, start, you find your heart starts stirring up. This fruits of joy and love. And What's with these guys? They're full of the Holy Spirit and joy. I find I, I can come down tired in the morning, you know, it's like, you got up. Come on, soul. I got up. Get up, soul. <laughs> it's Psalms and hymns. What do the Psalms say? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Wake up. Wake up, soul. Don't let your soul tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. Wake up, O oh soul. Come on, let's worship God together. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, your brain's dull. And you... So I will sing big old hymns in tongues. It's all these great big melodies. Love, divine, all love's excelling. I'm singing it in tongues. It's a great big melody. My spirit starts rising. I'm fanning into flame the gift of God. I want to keep filled with the Spirit. I just don't want, that happened to me in 62. I don't oh, I remember I was filled with the Spirit in 62. Has it made the difference? Well, it did for a bit. No, come on, Timothy. Fan it into flame. Come on, come on, come on. Fan it into flame, the gift of God that's in you. Sometimes we've had a disappointment. Maybe, maybe you used to prophesy. And one day you began to prophesy, and, ah, lost it. And you think, oh, I'm not going there again. 
I'm not going there again. Or maybe you interpret. You think, I'm a bit scared. You get a tongue in the meeting. Oh, wait. I'm a bit scared. See, these gifts, dear friends, they are a kind of mixture of the power of God and us being the channel. And if we're going to be a spirit-filled community, which the world desperately needs the church to be, church doesn't need, the world doesn't need us to try and be relevant and as near to them as we can possibly get. The church needs to be radically different because we know God. God's with these people. They know, they know God. They've got a supernatural experience. People out there are fascinated with supernatural. They think church is a bore. But if, if we were filled with God, then, hey, we're going to become a phenomenon. And that's what God wants for us. And so, for, as I say, for many of us, we can say, oh, yeah, I know I was filled with the Spirit. Happened. I could put a date on it. I remember it happening. But the whole thing, that's a gate. That's, an, that's leading you into something leading you into a dimension. Let me just close with this testimony. I, I, I used to have terrible back pain, and, I, and I, used to, I, I, I suffered with it. And in the end, I went to the doctor, went to the hospital, had x-rays, and they couldn't find the problem. <laughs> I sat in the waiting room for ages, went in, they did it all, I said, no, I don't know what it is, just don't sit on hard chairs. I thought, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then my, someone took me to an osteopath. I went to the osteopath and lay on his bench thing. And he actually asked the person who took me, you tell him what's wrong with him. He said, well, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. Look at his body, tell me. The osteopath said that. So he said, well, oh, he looks like he's got one leg longer than the other. He said, that's right, that's his problem. He said, they're looking where the pain center is. You need to look at the whole body. He's out of line, so he gets tensions in his body. Okay? So, you know, come and see me every so often, and we'll manipulate your body back. So I started going to him and having a treatment with him, and sadly, it didn't do any good. And it was costing me money, and I stopped going. But now I knew what my problem was. Then sometime later, a guy comes to my church, and he's preaching. He says, some of you here have got bad backs. I want to pray for people with bad backs. So I, had, I mean, I couldn't stand for any length of time. In a meeting, standing like we did in worship, that was really painful for me. So I, I, I shuffled forward with some others. Uh, and, uh, you know, we all sat along the front. And they said, uh, some of you, it's because you've got one leg longer than the other. I thought, hey, that's what the osteopath showed me, told me. So I sat on the chair. He picked up my feet. And there you could see one leg longer than the other. It was quite visible. And he prayed a short prayer. And my leg grew. <laughs> wow. That was the end of my back pain. The next Saturday, I went to see Brighton and Hove Albion. For, there for two hours without pain, and that's a miracle. So we at Brighton <laughs> for two hours without pain. Honestly, it didn't hurt. That was the end of it. And it's never, it's gone. That was it. Years ago. It's all finished. He said to me, pray for people yourself. So I started doing it. I, I said, if you've got back pain, I said, and people came forward, and I prayed for people, and hey, woo, it happened. It just kept on happening. There's lots of people. And then I began to feel, well, that's a bit weird that, um, you know, I can't say to the blind, open your eye. And I can't say to the deaf, here. So it's weird. So I can just do this. And I began to lose confidence. And I began to feel, this is a bit strange, really. I pray for this. Why do I? And so I stopped. I backed off. 
then a couple of things happened to me. I was at Spring Harvest, I think it was. And a guy saw me as I was going through and he said, oh, you're Terry Virgo. Yeah. He said, do you remember you prayed for me whenever? He said, I've never had any pain since. And I thought, wow, no, I never do that. I don't do that anymore, kind of thing. And then my wife, there's a neighbor down the road, like three doors down, bumped into Wendy. And, and, and she said, my husband's back. She said, oh, my husband, I pray for him. Said, Thank you, dear. I went down and he was, I mean, he was just locked. I prayed for him, he was immediately healed. He said to me the next day, he said, I've been digging in my garden. I've got some concrete. I dug it out. He said, hey, I'm absolutely healed. And I felt God said to me, so why don't you do that anymore? I thought, well, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed that it's the only thing I do. And I felt God said, well, I gave you a gift. Get on with it. Get on with it. So I started doing it again. I started praying for people. And I saw people getting healed. I saw lots of people, lots of people getting healed. Their backs being set free. Thank God for that. And then I was over in the USA once, and I was, I was praying for some people. Just, I said at the end, if anybody's got back pain, I'd pray for them. And, and then I'm going down the line praying for people, and then this guy in the row, and he said, my knees are shot through. So I thought, what do you mean shot through? I don't know what he's talking about. I do this thing, you know, I don't do knees that are shot through. Anyway, I thought, well, I'm here. So I prayed. <laughs> I prayed for his knees. And I mean, lots of people are being, being healed. I prayed for his knees. And then I went to the next person. And then the people facing me all started laughing. I thought, what are they laughing at? I looked around, and this guy is jumping on and off of chairs. I said, I can play basketball again. My knees are okay. I thought, whoa. Then the next guy, sitting next to him, he said, "Uh, broken collarbone. I've got metal in here in three places. I thought, what? So I thought, well, let's pray. So I prayed for him. And he said to me, he said, recently a friend came up behind him and uh, we we put his hand on my shoulder. He said, the pain was so great I fell to the ground. Anyway, I prayed for him and uh, he just smiled. He said, wow, wow. And then the bouncy guy came and slapped him on the shoulder and it didn't hurt. And the next Sunday I'm in the church and in the opening song and they both come up on the platform saying, we want to testify. I thought, Wow. So I've, I've, I've just said, Lord, help me. Help me. Because I, I needed to fan into flame. Maybe you say, I used to prophesy. I used to speak in tongues. I used to all sorts of things. And God is saying, come on, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Fan into flame. Don't leave what God's given you. Let's press on. I've forgotten what time this session finishes. Is that what that was about? About now. About now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so let me just close with this. Okay, I think I've discharged. But in every way, the gift of God, but especially also in particular gifts. Obviously, I'd love to pray for anybody here who's got a bad back. All right? And, and, and to be honest, if you've got a bad shoulder as well, you can't move your head or your shoulder... I prayed for a lady in um, Oman. I was in Oman. And, uh, and, and we prayed for several people the night before. And she came the next morning. People were milling around. And uh, she said, I'm the administrator. I, I was too busy last night. Would you pray for me? She said, I've got a locked shoulder. And I prayed for her. And her arm just went up straight away. Completely, completely healed. And then a, woman came, a younger woman came over to me. 
And she said, would you pray for me? And her neck was healed. And she, next day, the woman told me that was my daughter. She would have called herself an atheist. She saw what happened. She got saved. And she got healed. So let's not hide what God's given us. I prayed for a lady in Mark Landra Smith's church. And she said, did you see me in the worship band? I said, well, I didn't, well, I saw you. But she said, I can only get my hands that high in worship. She said, I can only move in that's my range from there to there. Would you pray for me? So I prayed for her. And then I said, come on, then let's just raise your hands. And she started to raise it. Oh, I'm scared. I said, come on, let's do it. So I put my hands on her shoulder. Come on, pray. And her arms started going up and up and up. And there's tears here and a huge smile here. She's going, oh, wow, wow. And all her friends were standing around going, whoopee, whoopee. And, and she then put her hands on her head. She said, I haven't washed my own hair for years. She said, friends come in and help shampoo my hair. Uh, two or three days a week, they come and shampoo. I can't do it. And then she said, oh, wait a minute. And she held her hands behind her back. She said, I can't do that. She was completely free. We kind of went out on a limb. We went out with Jesus. We went out with the Holy Spirit. And stuff started happening. Because he's here. Amen? We want to be a spirit-filled people. And not hide what God's given us. Lord Jesus, we pray that we might know how to continue in the Spirit, daily enjoying, being the temple of the Spirit, that you might be worshipped in our temple. We might engage with the Spirit on a daily basis, finding your joy bubbling up inside, your peace, Lord, satisfying us. Lord, your character-changing gifts flowing in us and fruits flowing in us. Lord, please, help us to keep on in the Spirit together. Thank you you've given us, Lord. Thank you said you have a well in you. Lord, let's not ignore the well that's in us. We ask you to help us in Jesus' name. Amen.